Hello, this is Lorenzo Della Foresta, and I'm the lead pastor at River's Edge. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Today is the continuation of a spiritual conversation that has been taking place between you and Jesus. I'm certain that you'll be blessed by His Word, and I believe that God has great things in store for you because you already belong. Enjoy the message. I'm so glad that you are here, and we've got a great talk for you today, and it's called The Sinner's Table. And I think that at some point in our lives, we have felt less than, or someone has made us feel that way. And maybe we think that church is the kind of place that always makes you feel like a sinner. And that's why we stay away from it, because, well, why go to a place that makes us feel worse? I mean, life is hard enough as it is. I mean, church is supposed to be about community. It's supposed to be about hope. It's supposed to be about inspiration. It's supposed to be about connection. And when we don't have those things with ourselves or within ourselves, it's going to be hard to have those things with other people. If we don't have it in our daily life, it's going to make it even harder to have it in a place where we think, well, people are just going to judge us just the moment that we walk in, or they're going to see right through us and, and maybe pink out or point out the very things that make us a sinner. Well, I want you to understand that the Bible actually never, ever uses this type of terminology in the way that we understand it. And it's interesting because we would think that sinner and being a sinner is a Bible thing. We think that this is what is being taught in the scriptures. Well, it actually was, but not by Jesus. It was actually something that was done by the religious zealots of the scriptures, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. There were these zealots who spoke this way and made everybody feel horrible every day. But Jesus wasn't that person. Jesus was the one going out to the marginalized, to the people who had been cast out and people who felt like outcasts. And Jesus went to those people and he made them feel welcomed. He made them feel like with him they had a home. And the thing about Jesus is that he used a different term. He actually called it missing the mark. Now, my aim isn't always good. Sometimes it's right on. Sometimes I'm right on with the way that I want to deliver a message. Sometimes I'm right on when I'm throwing a football. Sometimes I'm right on when I've got a rock in a slingshot and I'm trying to hit my neighbor in the head. Sometimes it's perfect. (laughs) But there are times when my aim is not very good. And, And Jesus called that missing the mark because he was saying that there were times when an archer would draw back on his arrow and he would try to hit the target and he would miss it. And he says, that's kind of what it's like when we live life, we don't always hit the mark. And he says, you know, that's kind of how we also are spiritually. We're not always going to hit the mark. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to come in a living, physical form. I'm going to walk among you and I'm going to show you what hitting the mark looks like. Because you're not learning it from the religious. You're not getting this from the temple. You're not getting this from my father's house so I'm going to have to become the house instead and what Jesus does is that he becomes the father's house he becomes the representation of that temple he becomes the place where everybody is welcomed home because that wasn't happening in the institution that had been set up now had they done the institution right it would have worked because the law was perfect and what God had put in practice was perfect but once Human hands touched it, they corrupted it. You know, sometimes 
when something comes to me with a very detailed list of instructions, I can take that very thing and somehow put it back together and then have some extra missing parts. Anybody else ever done that? I mean, when it was designed and when it was brought to me, it was perfect. All I had to do was just follow the instructions, but when it came through my hands, something went wrong. I couldn't put it together the way the instructions asked me to. Now, it's also happened that sometimes when I got the instructions and I followed them to the T, there were actually parts missing. Did that ever happen to anybody? Isn't that frustrating? Like, well, how could you forget this part? Well, somewhere along the line in the assembly, when that product got boxed, it was missing some parts and it got shipped anyways. Maybe they ran out at the factory. Maybe it was an employee who made a mistake. Maybe it was a product that was returned. And it was returned because the only part that was missing was the one that that person needed. And so they sent the package back without it. <laughs> who knows what happened? But when I got it, it was missing some parts. And guess what? That's kind of how people felt when they were walking around trying to please God and being judged and criticized at every turn for missing the mark. And everywhere they went, they always felt like they had either a missing part or somehow it had gone through a pair of hands that was missing the mark. And they just didn't feel like they were home. Did you ever sit at the kids' table? Anybody? Did you ever have to sit at the kids' table? And I don't mean as a kid, I mean as an adult. <laughs> Did you ever get relegated to the kids' table as an adult? I'm sure it's, it must have happened, unless you're the one doing the relegating. You're the one who's demoting people. Adults that you don't like, you sit at this kids' table. It's an awful thing when you're not with your group, when you're not with your peers, when you're not at a table that you want to be at. Did you ever get invited to a wedding only to discover that you were so far from the groom and bride that you might as well just stayed home? Because that might have been closer. You were at the furthest table possible. It's like, oh, okay. So let me just look at my gift and open up this envelope and take out 50 bucks. And put it back in my pocket. That's for screwing me on the seating. So those are the types of things that can happen, right? Well, how about when you were, I don't know, in elementary school and you didn't have to eat your lunch in a room with your classmates in a bubble for a year, but you could actually go into the cafeteria or in high school where you could actually attend class like in person. Did you not like have a favorite table where you always went to with the same friends or the people that accepted you and welcomed you? Wasn't that a, a safe feeling in a big school? In a school with hundreds of other kids, but you had a place that you could call home? Wasn't that an amazing feeling? Well, how about when you showed up at a restaurant and you had a reservation, but instead of giving you the best table, they somehow figured out that they could just take advantage of you and put you somewhere where you didn't want to sit, you know, by the restroom with the cornucopia of aromas and smells, or by the noisy kitchen, so you could just see exactly how your food was being prepared, yuck. 
Like sometimes we get seated in a place that we just don't want to be seated at because we want to be at a table that gives us the best experience. We want to be at a place where maybe we're seen and, 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 and felt like this is a special moment. Or more importantly, we were just at a table with the best views. Don't you just love a table with a view? And, and don't you sometimes hate those round tables because you can't get the view that you really want? Where someone rushes to the table and takes the seat that, that gives them the best view, but then you're always like having to twist your head around like the exorcist because you can't see what everybody else is seeing and you're always having to have to be like part contortionist, an acrobat to be able to see what's happening on the stage. Like these are the kinds of things that when they happen, they make us feel less than. And the reason I'm talking about this is because there was something that really got people upset. And I mean, not just the average person, but especially the religious ones. They hated when Jesus sat to eat with sinners. And it wasn't a term that they used. It was a term that the Pharisees used. The religious called them sinners. And Jesus just saw them as people. He saw them as human beings that needed to be brought into a relationship and people that needed to be welcomed home. It was very different for the way that Jesus saw them as opposed to the way that everybody else did. Now, when you're invited to somebody's home, you know that this is a great honor. It's, it's a privilege to be invited into somebody's place uh, in any culture. It doesn't matter what they have, what they don't have. Just to be able to be invited in and to sit at one's table. And they had a high culture of hospitality back in that day. So, so much so that it was like important that they welcomed the stranger just like they would welcome family. You welcomed the stranger in the same way that you welcomed your best friend. You welcomed the stranger in the same way that you welcomed the person who had the most power and prestige or the person that you, in your eyes, respected more than anyone else. You welcomed the stranger in the same manner that you would welcome the person that you loved the most and couldn't wait to have in your home. There was this understanding that this was the level of hospitality that one was supposed to give, except if they were sinners. If they were sinners, then you had an out. If you had someone who you knew had a bad reputation or someone who you knew had lived a little bit on the dark side or someone who had lived their life on the wild side, that was someone that you were okay with excluding. And the spirit of inclusion wasn't something that everybody practiced. This practice of welcoming wasn't something that everybody did. Now, I don't know if you feel like you've got the gift of hospitality or not. I'm not sure if you feel like you're always a welcoming person because sometimes like we're more introverted than we are extroverted. It's a little harder for us to welcome new people because, well, we're shy and we're hesitant and we feel like we're not maybe just easy with small talk and maybe we're not the best conversationalists when we don't know someone. And maybe we don't feel entirely comfortable with the situation and with the persons or with 
the person. And so we kind of hold back from hospitality. But let me ask you something. Jesus hanging out with sinners is something that he is able to do because he is the one who invented home. He is the one who made the concept and created the concept of family. He's the one who was able to welcome and to receive each and every one of us. And let me tell you the story of Matthew in chapter 9. And in Matthew chapter 9, it says that Jesus was walking along and he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. And he says these words to him, follow me and be my disciple. Now the thing about this is that Jesus saw someone who was still living on the dark side. He saw someone who was still living on the wild side. He saw someone who was not included. He saw someone who did not have a place at the table. And it's interesting because what Jesus does is that he calls Matthew to follow him and he calls him away from his table. And he says, follow me because I've got a better table that I want you to sit at. And, and, and Matthew just like can't believe it. So he gets up and he follows Jesus and then invites him to his house. And when they all get to Jesus' house, Jesus and his disciples, along with Matthew and everyone else that Matthew had invited. And the Bible says that it was filled with notorious sinners. People with bad reputations. People that obviously were like Matthew. And when they get there, they sit at a table that the Pharisees looked at and called the sinner's table. So Jesus says, I'm going to call you Matthew because you're still at your table. And I'm going to invite you to follow me and be my disciple so you can sit at my table. And then Matthew says, thank you for that invitation. I am going to follow you and I would love to sit at your table. So why don't we go to my house and sit at my table so we can tell all of my friends that I am no longer going to do the same thing I did before and I'm going to do it now at the sinner's table that everybody says, if you sit there and eat there, or do anything with me there, you also are a sinner and you become unclean. And isn't it amazing that Jesus invites Matthew to sit at his table, but then he sits at Matthew's table. He's not afraid of Matthew's table. He's not afraid of Matthew. He's not afraid of anything that Matthew's done. He's not even afraid of the fact that Matthew hasn't stopped doing anything long enough for Jesus to be able to say, you are a different person, Matthew, and now you're finally ready to be my disciple. Notice that. I mean, Matthew was still at the table. He was still collecting taxes. He hadn't left that profession, a profession that was corrupt by anyone's understanding of that time. He was stealing 
money, taking extra for himself. He was helping the Romans in doing so at the expense of his fellow Hebrews. He was doing all the things that everybody loved to hate. And yet Jesus says, I see beyond all of that and I have a table for you. You don't have to sit at this tax collector's table anymore. You can sit at my table. And guess what? I'm okay with sitting at your table too. Because I'm not going to become unclean, Jesus says to Matthew, by sitting with you, by eating your food. I'm going to take this opportunity to not only help you become clean, but all your friends too. Can we say amen to that? And whatever needs to change in your life, Matthew, invite as many people as possible because those are the types of people that I want to meet. The kinds of people that you have as a friend or the people that I love to be with. That's Jesus. And that's what the church is supposed to be about. And that's what following Jesus really means. It doesn't mean that we are always relegated to the sinner's table. And we never feel like we can measure up. But we are invited to sit at Jesus' table. And he helps us get to his measure. He helps us day by day. And you think that Matthew changed overnight? Well, no. But he was welcomed overnight. He was transformed overnight in his belief and his understanding of what it meant to sit at Jesus's table but he still had to go through a process of daily change and the more he walked with Jesus the more he became like him to the point that when Jesus was finally ready to leave him and leave the other disciples they were able to teach others about the way of Jesus and when you think about everything that happens in the life of Matthew you realize that this guy didn't have it put together. He didn't have it all figured out. And that's why later on Matthew invites people to his table that are like him. And the Bible says that Matthew had the financial means to really throw a big party. Like if he, if he wanted to invite a hundred friends, he could afford it. Like Matthew wasn't just like employed. He was one of the wealthy ones he was really wealthy you know wealthy enough that he could party any way that he wanted for as long as he wanted and he didn't care if other people were upset with him he had that kind of money he had the kind of money that when someone came to him and said Matthew you are an unholy person he said I don't care I have more money than you I can do anything I want with the money that I've got he was the kind of person that didn't have to leave his lifestyle. And the reason I'm mentioning this is because sometimes it's harder to leave money when you have it and not when you don't. I mean, right? It's, it's harder to leave a good job for no job, right? Sometimes that's the case, right? Sometimes you'd rather be unemployed, especially during the day of the CERB. I, I get it. Sometimes you make more money staying home with the government than you can working at a, at a low-paying job. It, it's true, it happens to a lot of people, and I totally understand why you would do that, and it's not a judgment by any means. But I want you to understand that, that in this case, Matthew leaving this job, leaving this job, made it extremely difficult for him to continue any form of self-sustain employment he didn't have the means to continue to live 
when he made a decision to follow Jesus. It was an act of complete abandonment and trust. And I know that when Jesus has asked me to follow him, I haven't always followed him with that kind of abandonment. I haven't, I haven't just left everything behind and made a decision to follow Jesus. I didn't let everything go. I kind of like followed Jesus and waited for things to fall into place. Waited for things to, to kind of show up that, that would replace the things that I was giving up. So yeah, I'm willing to give this up, but I'll give it up once I get something else to take its place in my life. Then I'll do it. But I'm not going to just let everything go. This doesn't make sense. But what do we see Matthew do? Matthew left his table because he knew somehow deep down that anything and everything that he would ever, ever need again in his life would be found at Jesus' table. Now, I don't have that kind of trust, and I didn't have that kind of faith. But because Matthew did, and things worked out for him, can I just ask you to do something with me? Would you trust God enough right now to say, I'm willing to leave any table that I'm at for the table that Jesus is offering me instead? And would you have enough faith to believe that everything that you will need is already on that table? That you will have want for nothing. That you can trust God and Jesus to provide everything that you will ever need to ever be found on that table. That you don't have to sit at the sinner's table. You don't have to sit at whatever table you've been at. You can leave those tables and sit at the Savior's table right now. And receive everything and anything that you're ever going to need. Would you take that leap of faith with me? Would you trust God in your heart right now to say, I am willing to sit at that table? Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you that we have this opportunity to sit at your table. That we can trust you for everything and anything. That we can put our faith and confidence in you right now. And Lord, whatever it is that we may have at our table, and whatever it is that we have had on tables in the past and whatever it is that we have that can come to us from our network of friends and family that we believe that they are our support system to the point where we can't ever leave that table. What we see Matthew do is that he not only leaves the table that he was at as a tax collector, but then he tells his friends that he'll never sit at this table with them in the same way again. Because he's been invited to a new table. And that table is a table that is also offered to them if they're willing to sit there. And Lord, we want to do what Matthew did. And we want to sit at your table. We want to eat from your banquet. We want to believe in your provision, in your blessing. And we want to trust you for what comes next. We may not have it all figured out. And we know we will miss the mark yet again. But we no longer have to believe, not even for a moment, that we have to sit at the sinner's table or at the table of the employment that is brought to us 
by some other means, by our own means, or by someone else's. We can trust you at your table. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only he can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening and God bless you immensely.